The anthem we just sang is born straight out of the scripture, I find. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known too, which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray together. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I had the privilege in the last couple of weeks to go see a documentary. Now, if you know me, that's not an unusual thing. I love documentaries. The more I can learn about this world, the happier I am. But this was a special documentary. This was a documentary about a man who changed my life in so many ways. This was a documentary about Mr. Fred Rogers. I don't know how many of you have seen it. There's not a whole lot of spoilers because you can read it all on Wikipedia. But this is a man who grew up in a home that was fairly affluent. He didn't have to care about other people, but yet he never felt like he fit in. And he never wanted anyone else to feel that way either. So he saw this new medium, television, back when it was brand new. And the children's programming on the television was silly. Inconsequential. It didn't really teach much. And he felt like it could possibly harm the children that watched it if they learned that pranks were the way to get attention. He knew that it could be better. So he left seminary, and he went to try to find his way in this new medium called television. And he did okay the first time around, but it didn't quite go the way he wanted it to. Um, He did a variety show similar to what he ended up with, but not quite there. So he went off to seminary. He studied with child psychologists. He learned everything he could about how children tick and child development, all the things they need to grow and live healthy, happy lives. He took all this knowledge. He didn't put it in the pulpit, but he chose to go try again. And he went back to TV and created what we now know as Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood broke down boundaries and changed things in the way that we see other people. Because anytime he saw an event that might affect children, he talked about it. Sometimes I don't like talking about uncomfortable things with my children. But Mr. Rogers... He had no such compunction. He wanted to make sure that children understood they were valued and that their feelings were every bit as worthwhile as an adult's. So he tackled hard subjects on television that went out into homes all over the country. 
He tackled subjects like death after we had so many assassinations in our country. He talked to kids about what it feels like when someone dies and how scary it can be. He made a show all about how we don't go down the drain when we let out the bathwater. And parents wrote him and said, thank you. My child was so scared. And your song, We Don't Go Down the Drain, has made a huge difference in her life. You know, he always had these fish he liked to feed. And for the longest time, he would just feed them. Until he received a letter from a blind girl who told him she was very concerned for his fish when she didn't hear him speak about feeding them. Her dad put an addendum in the letter that said, she actually cries when you don't talk about feeding the fish because she's scared they're going to die. Ever since he received that letter, Fred Rogers always talked about feeding his fish and always spoke the words out loud, talked about what they looked like, made sure that people who couldn't see could see in their own world what was happening on his show. He valued children who thought they were of little value. Maybe because they were in a wheelchair, maybe because they had special needs. He would bring them on the show. He would sit by their bedsides while they were in comas in hospitals. He cared and valued the children of this world. He wanted to make sure that they understood feelings are important. And he gave us, all children who grew up on Mr. Rogers, emotional life skills. We understood how to manage feelings that felt scary. Because, well, Mr. Rogers loved each and every one of us. And he made sure we all knew it. Apart from the man that I watched growing up, there was another man in my life Now, my dad was a great dad, and my mother is fantastic, but they were parents, and they were busy, and they were trying to get us fed and clothed and working, and and they they did a great job, as parents always try to do. But I had someone who made me feel like I hung the moon. His name is Paul Snyder. He's my grandfather. Postal carrier by day, Shakespeare in the park, by night. You would always find him either reading his poetry or painting pictures. He had a high school education. He never made it any further than that, but he pushed all of his children to go further and all of his grandchildren to go as far as we could educationally because we could do it. He believed in us. He would quote passages of poetry to us and was always tickled to death when we knew who he was talking about. Now, granted, it was either Shakespeare, Wadsworth, Longfellow, Whitman, or Frost, so you couldn't go too far wrong. Those were his favorites. When he would speak them in his deep baritone voice, and you knew everything was going to be okay. Every time you entered his home, he would go, Well, hello! It's so good to see your face. And I knew He meant it, every word. I find myself doing that now, too, saying, it's so good to see your face. I get that from my grandfather. 
He married himself a spitfire when he was 18. She took on the world. She became a CEO. She could do anything she set her mind to. And we loved her for it. And all of us women especially looked up to her. My grandma, she could do anything. And my grandpa was right beside her, calmly, quietly, loving everyone he came in contact with. He still does. In fact, it was not odd for us to find strangers over the holidays. My grandpa would frequently pick up what we lovingly called strays. It could be the violin player who is here from Austria and doesn't have a home to go home to over the holidays. It could be some guy he met on his postal route. We never knew he was going to be at the holiday dinners, and it didn't matter. If they were there, they were family. But the thing that I'll remember the most about my grandfather, even when he's no longer with us in this world, is that when he hugged you, he imparted all the love in the universe into your soul. You knew that man loved you from the top of your head to the toes of your feet, and you knew that you were the most important thing in his world every time. My Grandpa Snyder gave you a hug. Sometimes I would come to him with things that I didn't want to bother my parents about. He would sit, give me his undivided attention, and just listen. Now, Grandma would give you advice. She always had good advice, still does. But Grandpa would just listen, nod his head and smile, and then he'd say, it's going to be okay. You've got this, girl. And you believed him every time. So we have people in our lives. I hope you have someone like Mr. Rogers. I mean, we all shared him for 30-some-odd years. Or I hope you have a Grandpa Snyder or somebody that makes you feel like the universe turns every time you smile. The Roman church were trying to figure their way through everything, trying to figure out how important they were, trying to feel like they were something. They were a big church. I mean, Rome is the capital. This is not some tiny backwater church. This is an important, important church, and they wanted to feel their importance. So they made sure that they had their list of rules set out right. And you had to follow them. And if you didn't follow them, you may or may not be able to be part of this church. They wanted to follow all the rules to receive salvation. They wanted to follow all the rules to be liked and to be loved. And they were striving for constant perfection. For all of the perfectionists in this room, I have to raise my hand as being one of them, we all know it's exhausting when we're trying so hard to be perfect. So Paul reminds them in this passage in Romans 3, that following the rules, following the law, is not what makes us holy. It's not what makes us loved. It's not what gets us in good with God. The rules, the laws, are there to help us know how the best way to live could possibly be. The rules are not there to be used as a yardstick to smack ourselves over the heads every time we step a toe out of line. 
Paul reminds them that all of us have sinned. All of us have made choices that have taken our will and our thoughts and our ideas and made them larger and bigger and more important than the known, the, the, than the known laws of God. There are times all of us have chosen to love ourselves more than we love our neighbors. There are times that all of us have chosen to do the easy thing instead of the hard thing that we know God is calling us to do. We've all been there. One of the things that I stumble the most on is asking for help. I was a stubborn child and I'm a stubborn adult and I can do it myself. And that sin of pride keeps me from being my best self. Because if I try to do vacation Bible school all by myself, I'm going to be in the hospital next week from sheer exhaustion. It's just not possible. We need the people around us, our community of faith, to keep us going. We all have made those mistakes. We all have fallen short of perfection. And if you think, no, not me, then we need to talk afterwards. (laughs) Paul was very clear. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. We've all intentionally turned away from what we knew was right and took a step in the other direction. Like a two-year-old when you say, don't cross this line, and they stick their toe right over the line just to make sure you're paying attention. But here's the funny thing. God justifies God takes care of us. God loves us. God saves us when we believe, and that's all it takes. Paul doesn't say, be perfect, and then Jesus will love you. If you find that in the Bible, let me know, because I have yet to find that perfection is a requirement for love from God. But the thing that I like to think of is God doesn't just love us. I honestly think God actually likes us. Now, if you've ever been in a relationship with anyone, a parent, a child, a loved one, a a significant other, you know that there are times you love someone and you might not always like them. There's a difference. We can love someone unconditionally and not like the way they're behaving. And I think God doesn't always like the way we're behaving either. But God likes us the way we are today. There's a song that Mr. Rogers sang on a regular basis. And Mr. Rogers isn't God. But so many of the things that Mr. Rogers said resonates from the Gospels. It's it's all about how much we are loved and how we are to then love others. But this song that Mr. Rogers sings, or sang, excuse me, all the time, is a song that I have to sing to myself sometimes when I'm looking in the mirror. On the days that I'm down, we all have them. There are days when we don't like ourselves. How could God possibly love us, much less like us? And yet, God says, all of us have sinned, but all of us are justified freely in his grace. We are all given another chance. We are all given God's love and grace freely. We are taken care of. We are liked by God. And we can then like others. Not just love them because we all love everyone, right? 
There are some people that are harder to like. There are some people that are harder to love. But when we understand that we are deeply loved and that we are liked by our creator, we can then share that love and like with others. So today, what I think I want you to take away from all of this can be summed up in a couple of songs I learned when I was three or four. One of them from Sesame Street. It's one of my favorite songs, and I sing it to my kids all the time. It goes, everyone makes mistakes, so yes, they do. Your sister and your brother and your dad and mother, too. Big people, tall people, and matter of fact, all people. Everyone makes mistakes, so why can't you? So when you're beating yourself up over that last mistake, sing that silly song. And realize the person next to you has made mistakes. The person, your parents, everyone around you, we all make mistakes. We may put on a good front of perfection. We may act like we have it all together. But I can promise you, I'm just as human as you are. And the person next to you is just as human. All of us are in this same boat of humanity. We're all going to sometimes want to put our toe over that line. We're all going to sometimes make mistakes. But another song I really want you to hear is one of my favorites. And it's one of the ones where he puts, takes off his jacket, takes off his sweater and puts on his jacket. It's when Mr. Rogers is changing all of his clothes and he sings, it's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you wear your hair, but it's you I like. Every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember, even when you're feeling blue. It's you I like. You yourself. It's you. God says, it's you I like. You don't have to do, you don't have to be, to be welcome here. You don't have to do, you don't have to be, to be loved and liked by your creator. You, you're special, just as you are. The unique parts of you that may feel like failures are you. They're special. And I hope you know this day and the days to come that it's you I like. It's you God likes. And we can like and love one another. Thanks be to God.